Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Good morning, Parkline. How am I supposed to talk? I just got done with all of that. Oh, I love my church, y'all. Love my church. Um, first, I want to just say thank you to Bishop for um, allowing me this opportunity. Although I really wanted to say no. <laughs> I love talking to young people because young people aren't judgmental. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. Young people aren't judgmental, so I get to be transparent when I talk to them. And I don't get the looks. I don't get the looks. I know y'all know the looks I'm talking about. All y'all have witnessed them, and some of y'all have given them, okay? So I just got a few minutes of a message I just want to share with you this morning. Um, so like Bishop said, I was the violence prevention coordinator for the city, and it was a phenomenal opportunity. But I'm going to be honest with you. When I got that phone call, they said, we want to offer you the job. For two minutes, I was excited. I was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. I prayed for it. Then it hit me. Wait a minute. I don't think I'm good enough for this opportunity. This is a youth violence prevention coordinator for the city. Not for the Boys and Girls Club, not for the YMCA, but for the entire city. I called my best friend crying. Why did they pick me? Why would they give me this opportunity of all the individuals that they interviewed for that job? Why this girl? And my best friend said, you know what, Shauna? Every time a great opportunity come your way, you always say you're not good enough for it. Mind you, this was just July of 2018 that this happened. And I told her, I said, because I'm not good enough. Because, see, my senior year of high school, while my classmates were getting ready for graduation and walking across the stage, I was at home on house arrest getting ready for court to find out if I was going to have to do five years in prison. See, I've been a convicted felon since I was 17 years old. And because of that, I held on to it. I let that be embedded in my mind. It's as permanent as the tattoos on my arm. So no matter how hard I worked, no matter how many degrees I got, I always felt like it was never going to be enough. See, the world kept telling me, you a felon. 
So you'll never be enough for that job. You a felon. Ain't no man gonna want no criminal. You a felon. They not gonna let you praise dance at the church. You a felon. They definitely not gonna let you work with their youth. <laughs> the devil is a lie. I came in here as transparent as I could be eight years ago. And when Pastor Greg was over the youth, he said, I want you. I said, oh, you don't want me. He said, no, yes, I do. And I said, no, God didn't tell you that. Let me give you my resume. Let me tell you where I've been. And he said, no, God told me it was you. Your past is the reason why it is you. You know, it's funny. I'm excited. I'm so, so excited, so happy that I'm getting married. We're moving to Dallas, starting new. But let's be honest, I'm a little sad. I'm a little salty. Like, you don't want to move to Milwaukee? You sure? <laughs> like, you know, I'm kind of doing my thing in Milwaukee now. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, no. I'm like, okay. But all these great things are happening, these transitions. And it was actually just January of this year. I'm over at Pastor Jay and Pastor Sonia's house. And, you know, we just chopping it up. And where are we talking? I said, I don't know who I am. <laughs> Pastor Jay was like, what? What you say now? Now, for those of you who really know Pastor Jay, that's exactly how he said it. Okay. He was like, ah, I'm a little worried about you now because you're talking about you getting married and you don't know who you are. So he don't know who he married. I was like, yeah, you're right. So he said, well, let's do this gifts assessment. So the gifts assessment was great. It told me all the things I already knew I was good at. But just because I'm good at something doesn't mean that's my gift. Doesn't mean that that's the purpose I should be walking in. Like, I didn't know. So I've been working for the city, and I'm sitting there doing this tour with my buddy, Kwabada Nixon. We going to these schools. We going hard for the young people. We bring them all together to this church and did an awesome event. It was phenomenal. And Kwab was like, Shana, this is, this is what you're doing. I'm like, man, I don't know who I am. I'm just doing this. This, this. this was the path. But I don't know if that's truly who I am. And he said, it's sad. Everybody else know your gift but you. He said, so I'm going to send you this motivational video. Any of you ever heard of uh, Dr. Miles Monroe? I had never heard of him before. Okay, I was like, who is this old man on this video? But I listened to it. And the first question he says you need to ask yourself is, who am I? I start crying instantly. I don't know who I am. I got the past constantly telling me. I got society telling me who I'm not and who I should be, how I should be dressing, my hair too big, my skin too dark, right? So the world kept telling me all of this. So I'm like, you know what? And video kept saying, you got to focus. And I'm listening to devotionals. And I said, for 30 days, I'm not going to touch the television. For 30 days, I'm not going to get on social media. And I shut it down. I killed the noise. That's the title of this message today. Kill the noise. I had to kill the noise. The moment I killed the noise, let me tell you, God started downloading on me 4 o'clock every day. 4 a.m. every day. I ain't need no alarm clock. God just woke me up. I need to talk to you, my daughter. God just kept 
every day, still to this day, 4 a.m., I'm up every day, 4 a.m., God just downloading on me. And then God showed, he started revealing to me my gifts. And yeah, I've been walking in them all this time. It's the young people. But I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I didn't know. And God said, but I've been here all this time trying to tell you, but you couldn't hear me. I couldn't hear him because I had all the noise. Right? Watching love and hip hop, but it don't love me. Watching Real Housewives, but it ain't real. Trying to get all the likes on Instagram, people who don't even like me. <laughs> right? But that's what the world has created. The world created all these distractions. That's all it is, is distractions. We're supposed to be in the world, not of it. So God said, it's a scripture I always knew, but I never took heart to it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as soon as I killed the noise, I started transforming my mindset. I have that scripture at my door where my light flick on. Every morning is the first scripture I look at. Because I have to remind myself every day that I have to transform my mind. I have to. Because I got to walk out the door. And once I walk out the door, I don't know what's going to come my way. But I know the God that I serve. I know I'm his daughter because he told me. He said, I already approve of you. So why are you looking for approval from the world? I couldn't understand it. The world kept telling me I shouldn't be working with the young people because I'm a felon. I ain't a felon. The paperwork say I am. God already forgave me. God said, your felony don't mean nothing to me. I forgave you already. So although NPS said, oh, you can't come work with our kids in here. Guess what? The city said I could. I've been in almost every NPS school since I started that job. Hot jokes on you. God said, see, nope, you ain't need to go through that way. I got you. I made a way through there. So all I'm saying to y'all today, kill that noise. Kill the noise. Kill the social media noise. Kill the TV noise. Like when Bishop and Lady Judy have talked about it before, be mindful of what we're watching. Because it's feeding into our spirits. And when it feeds into your spirits, then it's telling you things that you know are not true. But because you're watching it, it must be true, right? Because somebody else said, because somebody else is doing, because social media said, but my God, my God said, I'm his daughter. At the end of the day, I'm his daughter. You are his sons and daughters. So what the world say is already irrelevant. So you got to kill the noise. When you kill the noise, y'all hear that? Y'all heard that, right? Silence. When you sit in silence, sit still. The world ain't going nowhere. It's going to keep moving whether you're moving or not. Sit still. Listen. 
looking. We be praying and wondering why God not answering us, but he is. But you're too busy watching Empire. You make sure you, you got time to get your nails done. You got time to go to the barbershop. You spend two hours in the barbershop talking about the Bucks game, but you ain't spend two hours talking to God. I'm just saying. Kill the noise. You got to kill the noise. Because if you don't kill the noise, this is what's going to happen. I got a book bag, phone, my tablet. Where my tablet at? Here go my tablet. My tablet, right? My laptop. Everybody got all this stuff in their bags too, right? Right? All this stuff, right? But you know what's going to happen? going to be handcuffed to it. And I don't know about you, but I've been in these before. I ain't going. I ain't going again. Okay? I'm just saying, you ain't never been cuffed, so you think. It might not have been physical handcuffs, but you cuffed. I let my handcuffs go, and I recommend you let them go, too. Thank you. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you. Kill the noise. Kill the noise. When I knew, when I saw the title and the outline of her talk to the youth, I knew that the scripture that God gave me for today that's going to lead us into communion was right on point. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. A story about the prophet Elisha who has just recently picked up the mantle of his spiritual father, Elijah. And they had a, such a unique relationship. It was a relationship of honor. It was a relationship that began with the prophet Elijah knowing that he needed a successor in order to succeed in his calling. God wasn't through with Elijah. Just because you have a, you have a, a successor that follows you doesn't mean that you just, just move into the, into the sunset. It was a plan and purpose for Elijah, but the relationship was one of honor. It was one of respect. In 2 Kings chapter chapter 4, verse 38, Elisha now returned to Gilgal. Gilgal was a unique place. Gilgal, we first hear about it when Joshua received the mantle from Moses. Another story of succession. It was at Gilgal that the Lord told Joshua to circumcise the people because there was a generation that had been born in the wilderness. They never knew slavery. They never knew Pharaoh. They were born in the wilderness, and so they had never been circumcised, which is a sign of being in covenant with God. It's just like wearing a wedding ring. It's a sign that I'm in covenant with Lady Judy. Circumcision was a sign on the foreskins of the males that you are in relationship with God. So Gilgal is that place. Circumcision, the the word Gilgal means rolling away. It means rolling away the old, the past, the flesh, coming into something new. And so it's now at Gilgal again that Elisha has returned. It was at Gilgal that Elijah, the prophet, said, the Lord has called me to go to Bethel. You stay here at Gilgal. Elisha, the, the successor, said, no, I'm not leaving you. Wherever you go, I'm going. So he followed him to Bethel, and then then his father said, the Lord has called me to go to Jericho. Stay here. 
at Bethel. He says, no, wherever you go, I'm going. He followed him to Jericho. And everybody knew that the Lord was soon going to take Elijah up into heavens with the chariot of horses and angels. And then the Lord said, the Lord, uh, the prophet said, the Lord has called me to go to Jordan. Stay here. He said, I'm not told you I'm not leaving you. I'm called to you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to continue to serve you. Followed him to Jordan and he said, now listen, ask me whatever it is you want. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, if you see me when I go up, you'll get it. So it was at Gilgal that this relationship moved to another level. But in this, in this text, Elisha has come back to that place and there was a famine in the land. One day as a group of the prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and came back with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them, put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of God, there's poison in this stew. Death is in the pot, another translation says. Man of God, death is in the pot. And so they would not eat it. And Elisha said, bring me some flour. Then he threw the flour into the pot and he said, now it's all right, go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. This past month, people have been asking me about the succession. I've been out, been to a couple of community meetings and pastors said, hey, I heard about, heard about you leaving. Are you retiring? I said, no, man, I'm not retiring, man. It's, it's a succession. God is never through with us. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. You reposition yourself. I have to remind them about this story of Elijah and Elisha, the story about Moses and Joshua, the story about David and Solomon, the story about Jesus and his 12 and Paul and Timothy and all of his spiritual sons. It's the desire of every true spiritual father to raise up spiritual children who will walk in even a greater anointing and receive an inheritance that you have built up, a legacy that you can pass on to them. That's the kind of relationship and character that I see in the life of Daniel and uh, his three friends, Azariah, uh, Mishael, uh, and I forget the other one's name. We all know them from the Babylonians' names, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11, this was the testimony of the character of these spiritual young men. Even though their parents were now gone and perhaps had even died in Jerusalem during the captivity, these three young men with Daniel took that walk of shame from Jerusalem to Babylon. And parents, be encouraged. You may not ever see the outcome of your children's lives, but if you train them up in the ways of the Lord, when they're old, they will not depart. And so long after the parents of Daniel and these three young Hebrews uh, had, had moved off the scene, this is the testimony in, in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 11. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, wisdom like that of the gods. If you want to pray a powerful prayer over your children, pray this that the spirit of God would be in them, that they would have the spirit of insight, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom. 
literally begin to pray Isaiah chapter 11 over your children. In verse 12 it says, This man Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, he can explain riddles, he can solve difficult problems. Hallelujah. Let's just claim that over our children right now in the name of the Lord. We just decree and declare right now, God, that our children have the spirit of the living God upon them, that they have an exceptional ability, that they are filled with divine knowledge and understanding and wisdom and insight. They can interpret dreams and explain riddles and solve difficult problems, Lord. We decree, Lord, that you would begin to speak to them like you spoke to Samuel and he learned to discern the voice of the Lord. Kill the noise, God, so they can hear your voice. So Elijah has been called up. And Elisha now has taken the mantle and has taken his place, which means that now Elisha has become a spiritual father. Elisha has become a spiritual father. He has spiritual children. The way you know that you're a father is that you provide for others. Amen. That's what fathers do. They're the source. The word pater, father, means source. So you just feeding yourself, you're not really a father. Fathers feed everybody else. The Bible says that the prophet Elisha, realizing that his spiritual sons, these sons of the prophets, were hungry, he sent some of his servants out to go and gather some, some ingredients for a stew. And you know what a stew is, it's just all kind of stuff, right? You get it, you pick it, you wash it, you slice it, you throw it into the pot, you season it, you boil it, and you wait, and then you eat. Spiritual fathers have discernment, but spiritual, those who are immature don't have discernment. And so one of these young men who lacked maturity and lacked discernment went out and picked up a a gourd or a squash, if you will, not knowing that it was poisonous. He was just ignorant of it. It doesn't mean that he was wrong. He just didn't know. Washed it, shaved it, sliced it up, threw it in the pot with what everybody else brought. But this particular herb had two purposes. One, in small doses, it had medicinal qualities that could heal people. In larger quantities, it was like a super X lax. It was a laxative. It worked on your digestive system. Y'all remember X lax? We got so so much stuff now. We some of y'all don't remember X lax looked like like a Hershey's chocolate candy bar, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was intended to clean out your digestive system. Enough said. Y'all get the picture. So it causes me in my mind to wonder how they knew that death was in the was in the pot. Somebody tasted it. Every good cook tastes their food. And I don't know how many bites he had, but he probably felt like he needed to pass gas. Just like some of y'all do when y'all at church, right? Nobody know. It's you. But he thought he was just passing a little gas 
but more than gas came out. Which caused him to say, don't eat it, death is in the pot. Y'all get the picture. I want to submit to you all that there's a lot of wild stuff that's in the world today. That there's a lot of poisonous stuff that's in the world today. That it's not all bad. Some of it, you know, you, you take in small doses and it might, it might be all right. But I just want to let you know that poison doesn't kill you immediately. Poison kills you slowly. And a lot of us are consuming stuff that's dangerous and poisonous without even knowing it. Some of us, we do know it. And so if I were to entitle this message, Death is in the Pot, can I just say to our generation today, and even to my generation and the older generation, a lot of the deadly stuff, literally today we're, we're debating, and in California it's already been legalized, pot's been legalized, right? Death is in the pot, y'all. I know some of y'all don't want to hear this because, hey, it's, it's, you know, it's legal. Everything that's legal is not beneficial. And I'm not here to preach about marijuana, but I just want to let you know, in small doses, hey, you think you're just fine? Could become an entry-level drug for you. Could have other, other attachments. And like Sister Shauna said, you don't want the handcuffs on you. There's a lot of doctrines that are in the church that are deadly. There's a lot of stuff in the world, sexual idolatry, humanism, which is a me first attitude, materialism, which is I want more. I don't have enough. Over time, these things will kill you. There are a lot of poisoned people in the world because they have eaten of complacency and bitterness and jealousy and unforgiveness and envy and pride and power and lust and apathy and lying and anger and hatred and prejudice and disobedience and dishonor and all of that stuff is in the pot and it's poisoning you. It's a slow death. And a lot of it is sugar-coated because it feels so good. How could it be so wrong and it feels so good? Poison people ignorantly poison other people. A lot of us are eating and drinking stuff right now without even knowing it because we don't have discernment. We don't have maturity. And the solution the prophet Elisha said, the solution is not to throw the whole pot out. Don't waste everything. We won't have anything to eat. The solution, you can't separate the poison. I'm telling you, it's all in the world today. So what are we going to do? Bishop, what are we going to do? Should we just move out to the, to the wilderness and wait for the Lord to come? Should we isolate ourselves from the pot? No. The prophet Elijah said the solution... Don't pretend like you're not a part of the pot. He realized that he couldn't separate the poison from the pot. So you got to put something stronger in the pot than the poison. And so he said, bring me some meal, bring me some flour. You know what we, what we make uh, out of flour, out of meal? We make bread out of it. You know what the symbol of bread is in the scripture? It's the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Elisha, by saying, bring me some flour, was saying the antidote is the word of God. That you got to put the word on it. A lot of stuff going on in the world today that's poisonous. A lot of things happening on your job today that you are, you're just digesting and breathing in every day. You got to put the word on it. 
Bible says God sent his word and healed them. It's the same ingredients in the pot, except now the word is in the pot. And then he says, go ahead and draw it out, serve it to everybody. And when they drew it out, they were able to consume it. This is how you can find out if you're consuming poison or not. You need to ask yourself some questions. Number one, is it in line with God's word? Is what I'm doing in line with God's word? Is that TV show in line with God's word? Is that video that I'm watching in line with God? Is this conversation I'm having in line with God's word? Number two, does it glorify God? Number three, does it bear witness in the hearts of spiritually mature people that I trust? You got to submit your life to somebody that you trust. Somebody who's mature to say, you know what, baby? I wouldn't eat that if I were you. That's like x baby. You don't want to do that. How you know? Trust me, I know. I ain't always been saved. And even though I am saved, my flesh is still alive. Number four, does it bear witness in my own spirit? Because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit. He will bear, he will bear witness if it's all right or not. Let, let the peace of God be your umpire. If there's no peace, and that's the last question, do I have peace? Do I have peace? When in doubt, do without. <laughs> you don't have any peace, do without it. It's not going to kill you. I don't have to have it. Everybody's doing it. Well, I'm not because I don't have peace. My, my spiritual parents said I shouldn't do it. My own human Holy Spirit on the inside of me is, is not feeling right about this. I don't believe it's glorifying God. It's not in line with his word. Finally, the stew has to be served in order for healing to be manifested. He said, he said, now serve it, take it, take it from the pot and give it away. That means that we have to take the focus off of ourselves because some of the poison that we ingest is just by looking in the mirror all the time, looking at yourself. Instead of looking in the mirror, let's start looking out the window. Let's start looking in the lives of people. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.